0: everybody it's another episode of game time with zach and jamir it's your boy jamir i'm co-hosted by zach Wright. today our episode is semi-final fun so with that being said the first round has concluded there are eight teams remaining and it's really starting to get heavy y'all so zach Let's jump right into it. Uh, the Western Conference was very interesting in the first round. We saw some interesting things. What, what were your thoughts?
1: I guess we might as well start off. I'll start off with the Phoenix Mavericks series. You know, Phoenix and the Pelicans that went not, went a little different than most of us expected, given the Devin Booker injury. Phoenix, excuse me, the Pelicans did better than I expected. I will give it to them. It'll be interesting to see next season. I know you kind of brought this up to me on Twitter, but real quick, what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on your own question? Pelicans making the playoffs with, with the play or without?
0: With a healthy Zion Williamson and a looming lottery pick from the Lakers, I would believe, and, and the, the excellent coaching by Willie Green and everything else, I, I, I honestly think they could make it top six. Okay.
1: I disagree just for the simple fact that you got the Warriors, Grizzlies, Mavericks, Suns. I'm missing someone who's uh, the Nuggets. That's five teams off rip. And then the Clippers are healthy. You can't, you can't just assume they're not going to make the top six, right? That right there is just like, all those teams are better than the Pelicans. And then that's not even counting the potential improvement by the Timberwolves, who we'll get to, who looks pretty good. Aside from um, some bonehead plays (laughs) and like the Lakers, you have to assume they'll be better than there's no way it can be this bad again. It's just this is just impossible. <laughs> the same way with all the Lakers. But we're <laughs> about the what about the Mavericks Jazz series? I'm not gonna lie, I'm taking a lot of pride in making that that the right call on that one. Madison Six it was a it was a big brain play on my part.
0: Yeah, I, I I it was. I have to admit. Uh, I, I'm thoroughly shocked. Well, I wasn't, I'm not thoroughly shocked because the the Utah jazz have just been abysmal when it comes to doing what they should do or what they, they are supposed to do in playoff series. There's you know, the past three years now they've folded in situations where they should have won. And they have led in every series. They've they've led by at least one game the past three years in playoffs series that they've lost. So yes. that tells me everything I need to know about the Utah Jazz impending blow up question mark. And uh just to quickly touch back on the, the Pels and uh Suns, uh I just want to say that the the New Orleans Pelicans are gonna be here for a while. I think that. If Zion comes back and actually shows that he wants to play, they could have a really strong three to five year run with, especially with CJ in the building, running running point guard and that whole crew that they have. They have a bright future.
1: Yeah, definitely. Big Zion guy. Just I just don't know at this point. Until he plays more than fifty games, I just I just have to assume he's not going to play that much. When he does play, they're really good, and they're this is the strongest roster they've had in his time there. So. It'll just it'll be interesting to see. But where with the Jazz and Mavs thing, though, honestly, it was just it was like I said in the last episode. It just the Jazz are broken. They're tired of each other. There's no commitment on the defensive end from anyone not named Rudy Gobert and Royce O'Neal is okay, but I mean, it's he's just over. He is overmatched as the number one defensive player, defensive option on on the perimeter. Now any on any serious team, he's probably like the third or fourth best runner defender, but not on, on the jazz. But real quick, just to not give them that much airtime. Are you uh if you're the jazz, are you keeping Gobert or Donovan Mitchell? Or both. That's an
0: option. Or neither. Stuck between I'm stuck because Rudy Gobert is older. But at the same time, I feel like he's a more, he he's more like. He's a bigger part of their identity in terms of who they are as a team, especially with their defense. I think offensively, you can plug anybody into that system, but also you have to question if Quinn Snyder is gone. You have to question basically that whole situation. Honestly, if I were the Utah Jazz, I would look to move at least one of them. It could be either one at this point. But I do think, but I will say uh it will be harder to rebuild around. Donovan Mitchell because Rudy Gobert is the defensive like nucleus and right. offensively it's a shared offense outside of Donovan Mitchell. Right. So, yeah. I would say yeah, I'd say I'd say Donovan first cuz you get more back as well.
1: Yes, I agree for those exact reasons cuz the fact of the matter is you can build around Gobert, you can build around Donovan Mitchell, either way your team's not a championship team. That's just a fact. But at least if you trade Mitchell, you can get better assets. You can get, you can get more, you can get a young talented player and draft picks, which is ideal if you're trading an all-star player. And yes, Dominic Mitchell is, is younger, but I will dare to say he's kind of stagnated for the last two seasons. I don't know. I haven't noticed much growth between last year and this year. And Rudy Gobert, like you said, he is the identity. He's, they've been sold on defense this whole time because of him, but you can get any, you can trade Dominic Mitchell and get more apps defensive players. And possibly get a young, a young, a young guard with score potential, and just you know switch him out for that young guard. If you put them in that role, so that's kind of what happened with Donovan Mitchell. There was a a hole for a score. He came in, he filled it very well. But I don't know. I just feel like also Rudy Gobert is more likely to adapt and adjust to the team around him. Like I feel like Donovan Mitchell wants to be the guy, and if you get another star player, Donovan Mitchell will still do the same shit he's been doing. But Rudy Gobert will actively adjust to work with, you know, who's on the team, i.e. him allowing Donald Mitchell to just, you know, take the reins of the team, essentially. So, yeah, that's that's my piece on it. Um, we'll definitely have an off-season episode, I'm sure. So uh, I guess we'll get more into them depending on what happens. But, yeah, I guess you want to move on to the, the Suns-Mavericks series or you want to move on to the rest of the West, the rest of the losers in the
0: West? I would – I'll just quickly talk about the the other series that took place. My gosh. Oh, Denver will be dangerous next year when they get uh when they get Jamal Murray and Michael Porter back, hopefully. Nikolai Jokic had to carry way too much quickly. Um, and then Minnesota, when they finally figure out how to not be stupid, maybe a coaching change happens there, but they they should have won that series, in my personal opinion.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, they blew a number of leads, and we'll talk about that. That'll, that kind of helped me. I, I guess I may be foreshadowing a little bit here, but that kind of helped me inform my prediction for the Golden State-Memphis series. Uh, but Minnesota had so many opportunities to beat a toughest this team. So if they can cut out the, you know, the ineptitude. And also, Cat actually, you know, grows a pair. They might be somewhere soon, but until that happens, the Minnesota Timberwolves will not reach their potential. That's that's just my two cents. Golden State looks great overall. I, I love the emergence of Jordan Poole. That's exciting. They may have a potential a potential, uh, a potential spa, uh, splash three, as I like to call them, another splash brother possibly because Jordan Poole is really playing like that. And, yeah, uh, Memphis did what they were supposed to do, I guess. I mean, they, they struggled. But I, I, I think Minnesota folded a lot more than Memphis really won that series. So, yeah, that, that's just my two cents.
1: Yeah, I agree. Minnesota lost. Memphis didn't really win. They squeaked by, I guess. Honestly, I wouldn't even blame the coach because, like, no coach in the world is telling Carl Anthony Towns to shoot a 30-foot-3 with a minute and a half to go. You know what I mean? Like, that wasn't the coach. That was just Cat trying to get his little moment. And he he sold. He folded hard as hell, trying, trying to be a hero. He did it two times. Two straight possessions is just a dumbass three-point shot. When he easily could have got the ball down low, used his, his skill, and scored on a center who's just not good enough to guard him. I don't care which center is out there. Nick, he should try every single big man Minnesota had to offer. So that was just a, a fumble on their part. But, yeah, like you said, if they grow up and uh, if Cat starts trying to – if he just plays instead of trying to stick to somebody and talking shit with his squealy ass voice, that shit is the funniest part, right? Just be like – I don't know if you've seen that shit on Twitter where he was trying to act like deep in his voice a bit. Yeah, yeah like, he's, he's, like not he's, he's not that.
0: He's He's corny as shit for that. That's a fact. He's really not that guy. Yeah, uh, like, he just needs to, like, actually step into his bag and just, like, really – go to work because the thing is he's skilled as hell but he just yes. like i don't know what it is but it's just like because the thing is the thing that disappoints me too um just quickly i guess about cat i don't want to give him too much air time because he doesn't deserve it quite frankly but i think the thing that bothers me the most is that he could be on a level with guys like uh, a Jokic and an b but a he needs to put the work in and b he needs to like Really grow up, like mm-hmm. I feel like he, cause of the, like a dude dropped sixty this year, and he can really ball like that. Like he can shoot, he can, he can run high pick and roll, low pick and roll. He can do damn near anything he you know. These other dudes can do, and he's more athletic than Jokic. But it's like he needs to be a better playmaker as well. But you know, just overall, just needs to grow up and just actually say, all right, I'm Cat. Realistically, he could have been the best player on the floor. And should he should have been. But it's just like, you know, he just he just needs to grow up. So, uh, yeah. And I think we correctly predicted both of those series. So, not much to talk about there. You know, game time, doing yeah. game time things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both said Memphis in the six on that one. And that was pretty – although I expected it to, to look different, but the results were the results. Absolutely. Word. Mommy's we'll getting to the Western Conference games then. Okay. If the or the series that are actually happening. What do you what's what are your thoughts on uh
0: Golden State Memphis? Oh, that's a that's going to be a you know a dog fight tonight. They're actually currently playing at the moment. And the other game the game the other day Golden State took by one point. Uh I hated uh the last call that they had and I personally don't like How they ended game one. I thought that they could have gotten a better shot or a better look. Jaron Jackson was hot, but uh, they tried to run a play with John Morant to get to the rim to win the game. And Clay Thompson and others made a great play of stopping him to win by one. And currently, Golden State is leading the Grizzlies in game two by three points in the fourth quarter. So it's going to come down to the wire. Golden State could potentially head back to uh, the Chase Center up 2-0, which would be huge. So it's kind of a do-or-die game for Memphis right now, in my opinion. And with that being said, I do believe that Memphis will lose this series in no more than six. I would say probably six games. I wouldn't be surprised if it was five because, again, the Golden State Warriors – are a superior team to the Memphis Grizzlies. And the Memphis Grizzlies, well, not the, not Memphis. They are a superior team to Memphis, but they're also a superior team to Minnesota. And Minnesota had Memphis on the ropes multiple times. The difference between uh, Memphis or Minnesota and Golden State is that the Warriors will finish their food because they have veteran leadership. And if they ever get a big lead on the Grizzlies, they will never relinquish that lead. So I and I just I just think that it's not the the uh the grizzlies year. So that's those are my thoughts.
1: I feel that I also agree. I also have uh Warriors in five Warriors and six. Um honestly just like you said, it just comes down to execution. If we look at the regular season, the grizzlies play the Warriors really, really well and they do match up well, even in the game in three quarters that we've gotten thus far they match up very well but the problem is memphis is just young and and we've seen them last series in certain situations they they're you know they shoot themselves in the foot And golden state while they are they do have their historical moments of shooting themselves in the foot like uh you know steph curry has his like behind the back pass out of bounds in the finals and things like that the warriors have been there they've done that when uh when push comes to shove they can they they can and will turn it up more often than not. And then, like we said we both feel like the Grizzlies kind of kind of got out that series uh you know by luck not luck necessarily they earned it but certain things there were certain things that the other team did that allowed them to win rather than them pulling it out in a lot of situations. So yeah I just think it's just like you said not their year. I think it's just gonna come down to Golden State executing what matters most, like we saw in Game One. They did what they needed to do, and then the Grizzlies ran a play where John ja Morant just uh did rim running in <laughs> in 2K Lingo. He just ran, he just ran to the rim and then just threw up a shot. You know, it's last second, so he got he can get fouled whether he got fouled or not. They're not gonna call it most likely, but yeah, that's things like that is what's going to allow the Warriors to win the series. You know, I do think do think the Grizzlies will continue to put up a good fight, but yeah, I don't know. It'll be fun to see though. I haven't been enjoying
0: what I've seen so far in the series. With that being said, and with everything that you've mentioned about the Grizzlies and the Warriors, we, we kind of agree there that it'll, it'll end in six or no later than six. Uh, what are your thoughts about Dallas and Phoenix? Uh,
1: coming into the series, I felt like it's going to be Phoenix in five and I feel the same. You know, I was I, – before Devin Booker came back, I was like, ooh, I don't know. Dallas might give them a run for their money. But with Devin Booker back, I just feel like Phoenix is definitely – at that point, Phoenix is too strong for Dallas. Because Dallas is like, yes, they're a good team. Or they have a good – what's the word I want to use? They have a good system for the roster they have. And they have the best player in the series, without a doubt. But like. They have no answers for Aiden. They have no – they don't have much uh, – just their perimeter players just aren't as strong as the perimeter players on Phoenix. The Phoenix's defense is, is well-equipped to guard everyone not named Luka. And the Suns aren't the Jazz. Like, Jalen Brunson's not going to average 28 per game against the Suns. You know what I mean? Steph, Spencer, he's not going to come and average, like, 20 a game against a, a locked-in Suns team. Uh, Maxi Cleve was not gonna look like Dirk Nowitzki Dirk Nowitzki against the Suns. Like, I mean, granted, he had a good game one, like, don't get me wrong, but he just looked like uh, he looked more like Ryan Anderson than than Dirk. You know what I mean? Like there's just levels. And Ayton was just too big, too strong, too skilled for any big man that the Mavericks, had to throw at them. And the only uh, big man who can who pick does pick and roll effectively on the Mavs is Dwight Powell. And while he's okay. That's you gotta be better than OK to 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 score in the paint against the Suns. Like I think the Suns are just too solid for this team that, they, besides Luca, is pretty limited in a number of ways. Their defense, I mean, the Mavs have a good defense throughout the, rest, throughout the regular season, but again, they just in the playoff series, it's about matchups a lot more than your system per se. This is just not a good matchup for the for the Mavs if Devin Booker is healthy because now you have two, two guards who are at the point, at the point of attack in the Mavs, realistically. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith is the guy who, you know, handles that for them. But he can't guard Chris Paul and Devin Booker. He can only guard one. And, like, we've seen what happens when Luka gets on the island. <laughs> Devin Booker had that man shaking his boots. And Jalen Brunson is not a good, good matchup for Chris Paul. It's just, like, there's just no good – the Mavs have no good matchups defensively. It really is just kind of Luca and the boys in this situation. Like it's levels between the Mavs, excuse me, between the Jazz and the Suns, really.
0: What are your thoughts? I mean, you pretty much covered it. Uh the I I picked Dallas, I would say six. Sons and six? Yeah, Suns and Six, Suns okay, and okay, Six. Like, six. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Sun, Suns, Suns, and Suns in no more than six games. I wouldn't be surprised if it was five. You pretty much covered it. I mean the 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 Suns are head and shoulders above what the Utah Jazz have to offer. And while defensively, they do have a great system. I agree with you. They just don't have the great. They don't have good like really good individual talent on the defensive end, aside from Adorian Finney Smith. And as you said, he can cover, he can only cover one player. And in the paint, the Utah Jazz, well, not the Utah Jazz again, but the the Phoenix Suns are far superior. So they'll run the paint, the perimeter, they'll be able to guard a lot more effectively. Even though Luka dropped, what, 45 in game one? yeah, It's, you know, 45 points. And they still lost by seven. So, you know, that tells me pretty much everything I need to know. Um, and, I mean, I, I I had Phoenix winning before I, I I knew that, but that just further confirms it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not surprised that, you know, a result like that took place. Uh, Luka Doncic is special. But – and and I, and I like what Jason Kidd has put in place. But I think that now they just need to, A, get bigger in the front court and B get more athletic in the wing area, especially on the defensive end. Uh, so if they can do those two things in the offseason, which they probably won't, I think that they could be great going forward. But this Phoenix matchup is not a good one for them at all in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I think that Chris Paul and Devin Booker will continue to pick them apart and the front court will dominate. Uh, the 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 Mavs uh, front court this entire series, JaVale McGee included, <laughs> Cam Johnson, that whole squad, uh, Jay Crowder, Aiton. I think they're all going to they're going to run the series. Yeah, you could argue that JaVale McGee would be the best center on Dallas, and he
1: is. Oh, he would the backup. Be. He's the oh, backup runs. Yeah, he, on- he would be one hundred percent. He would start. Right. Yeah, they just don't. These don't have enough. Simple as that, really. Aiden, like I feel like Aiden's is gonna have a big series just because Aiden is one of the I like Aiden because he's not like he's not like a Jokic or MB, He's not getting hundred touches and doing all this post move shit. But like not or doing all this shit in the post. I should say not post move shit. Like when he has a match, he's he's a player. Like when he has a bad matchup, he will take advantage and he will do it efficiently. And that's like in Dallas is just they don't have anything for him. So he's going to take complete advantage, and Luca, yeah, like he had forty-five. But if everyone else is shooting like shit. They're gonna win. And I will say, it was it was they lost by seven, but it was a lot farther than that. They kind of just closed the gap a little bit at the end. But yeah, you want to move on to the East at this point? I don't know. I feel like the series is kind of, kind of. It's kind of, it's kind of a wash, right? Anyway, Phoenix got like, great pass at the conference finals. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: great pass. Absolutely. Speaking of great paths, I just want to start with, I'm going to, I'm going to open up with the Boston Celtics.
1: Can I exclaim real
0: quick? Okay. Go for it.
1: I'm not going to do it anymore. Go ahead. Go for it. Boston in four. Fuck the Nets. (laughs) Kevin Durant, Kyrie, shit. (laughs) I just don't understand all this hoopla about the Nets. They have Kevin Durant. They have Kyrie Irving. The rest of the team fucking sucks. I just want to say, I did not expect a sweep. But the fact that people thought the Nets could actually win the series was insane to me. You have Seth Curry, and Jalen Brown. What the hell do you think going to (laughs) happen? What do you think is gonna happen if you have that man on him for a seven-game series? And like I said, Grant Williams went dumb. My boy Grant Williams was looking like I don't even know who. He looked like a Rashard Lewis out there, bro. <laughs> Wanna know why? Because that freaking Goran Drogic on him. <laughs> like, please, no one. If if, if you believe the Nets are going to win that series, I just want you to look at the roster and ask yourself why would I think this? Why would I think this? Bruce Brown was their third best player. Last time Bruce Brown was the third best player on any team, that team was like the Pistons and they're in the lottery. Just inept. But shout to Blake Griffin. <laughs> that was that was that was uh, inspiring. <laughs> I hope he gets under
0: contract. But okay, I'm done. I was wrong. I picked the Nets. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets are an absolute mess. They are they are terrible. Point blank, I think that they have to rethink their entire roster outside of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Um Ben Simmons. Can you at this point? Kyrie? Oh yeah, I, I would rethink Kyrie too. Um I don't rethink Kyrie. I, I, I would rethink like... the entire in fact, I, I would say I would go as far as to say I would rethink the entire roster outside of Kevin Durant and Bruce Brown. And I'll explain why. I think that Bruce Brown is a good fit. I just think that, like, what Kyrie Irving has proven, if anything, is that he's not reliable. He's not dependable. Right. And I was kind of thinking about this more as a a side note, but I think that Kyrie Irving, the the whole Brooklyn Nets situation – is just disgraceful. You know, Kyrie Irving, not showing up to work, never showing up to work. Ben Simmons, just just being a scrub on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> scrub. And Steve Nash, not having a lick of coaching experience and just winding <laughs> up being a coach. And I think of Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving as, C.J. McCollum's worst nightmare, and I'll explain why. Because when the new CBA negotiations come up, I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but when the this, the, the, the conversations come up, when the, the, the Players Association has to debate or fight for players, they're going to basically just, you know, shove the Brooklyn Nets down the throats, of the players' association, the owners. Well, can we get this kind of money, Ben Simmons? Uh, well, you know, what about this work conversation? Nah, nah. Kyrie Irving, and it's it's gonna they they're gonna use Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons as examples as to why they shouldn't give players certain things and certain benefits and all that kind of stuff, and it sucks. Right. Um, they both have been put in great positions and have been given a lot of money, opportunity and power and the things that they've done with that is just been disgraceful. And I'm I'm glad that the Brooklyn Nets went home. Right. And for that for that reason, I think that they have a lot to a lot of thinking to do in terms of what to do with Kyrie Irving because he's not dependable. Ben Simmons, I don't even know what the hell you would do with him. I mean, I, at this point, you, got, you ain't got no choice but to play him next year and see what he does. Well, if they had the choice, they would play him. That's the funny part. Yeah. <laughs> he just, I you know, I don't
1: know. The Ben Simmons situation is interesting. Yeah. But, at this point, he I just, you just came in. It's, it's not that like. It's not that's not worth talking about anymore. But it's not even worth saying like. You just got this wait and see at this point because clearly you just don't know what's going on. Like, apparently there was some report, I think it was Shams reported it, talking about, like, oh, his back his back and his back is situations related to uh, mental health health and uh, it's like, which is like, that can happen. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, that is something that is you can have somatic symptoms based upon what's going on in your brain. But like, you know, nonetheless, it's just interesting what's happening to him. Like, I guess I guess at this point, it's like some anxiety type shit. Like, you know, I'm not his, his position. I'm not a position or anything. So I can't say. But, yeah, just looking like some anxiety shit. And I just hope he plays because while it's, like, it can be hee-hee-ha-ha ha at the same time, it's, like, he is, he's a good basketball player. I enjoyed watching him play when he wasn't shitting shitting himself. So it's just, like, hopefully he can get back on the court. But right now his, he has less trade value than – um. I don't even know. He's less trade value than, like... He's, a pack, he's, a, he's a pack he's of donuts. Of yeah, he's... I think Westbrook might have more trade value than him at this point. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> so, that's, that's... Oh, that's a burn. We <laughs> oh, my God. Because Russell... <laughs> at Russell
1: least like.
0: I would trade... I wouldn't... Oh, God.
1: <laughs> nah, that's 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 a lie. I think Westbrook is just oh. still not tradable at this point. It's impossible to have less than him. But, like... The previously the previously untradable Kevin Love is a more valuable player than Ben Simmons
0: at this point. I wouldn't trade I wouldn't trade Kwame Brown for Russell Westbrook right now. That's crazy. But we're enough on the Nets, real quick. I just want to say the
1: fact that Katie looks mortal was insane. I never thought I'd see him look so
0: so regular. I have a brief note on that too. I, I feel, I I, I want to save that for the end. If we, you know, if we, we, we uh, want to talk about it, but I want to, I want to bring up a brief topic and, and um, about the best player in the world conversation, but we'll get there.
1: Oh yeah. I already have that. that will be fun to talk about a little bit. Well, yeah, let's move on
0: to another team. I'm, I just, I just, I just needed to exclaim real quick. No, 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 no. You you uh your your Celtics prevailed in a pretty yeah, clear yeah. and dominant fashion. I mean, it was only an eighteen point spread, you know, through all four games, but they still got a sweep. So they did a great job. Uh so uh the next speaking of um let's talk about uh the the Bucks. I think that's a, a natural transition. hmm That was not an
1: 18 point spread.
0: <laughs> That was like a, a seventy point spread. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, the Bucks. The Bucks took care of business. I mean, it was a little uglier at at, at points, especially that first game. Uh, it was a little, it was a little uglier and a little touchy. Uh, you know, I think I think the Bucks kind of just had to fill out the Bulls a little bit the first couple games, and then you know, also losing Chris Middleton, which is something that we'll talk. I guess we'll talk a little bit more about, but the 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 Bucks, you know, they took care of business. They 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 went to a big lineup. Grayson Allen had a big series or a big couple games at least, and the Bucks did what they were supposed to do.
1: All right. Yeah, I don't know. It's there's not much to talk about because like we kind of discussed the series, you know, in, depth in the first round episode. The Bucks were just built like the the Bulls were literally like. It's, the Bucs is the worst matchup. I, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just the worst matchup possible. That was the one team the Bulls had, like, very little chance of actually beating. Like, they could have they pulled some games off against other teams, but or, looks, or at least competed better against other teams. They pulled off one game, but took throws and, like, hitting Like, the one thing I said that, he, that he couldn't be done, he did. He was hitting uh, mid-range fadeaways over, over Giannis and, to win a game. But that's literally what it took to win. It was just like and he didn't replicate it because that's just hard to do. But um yeah, I'd like to talk about them when we do our little off-season episode because they're just an interesting team. They could uh either just be this and be a uh, Utah East or they can make some moves. But yeah, they have they have a couple paths to go down. Where why don't we move on to Miami Atlanta series, which is also another another great prediction by the game time crew here. Although it wasn't hard to
0: predict. I'm sure they'd get one. But Trey Young looked like some ass. know, yeah, the Brooklyn, the, the Miami, not Brooklyn, Miami. Miami shut down anything that Atlanta dreamed or hoped of doing. Uh, we predict, we both, yeah, it, it was it was a very easy prediction. I think that Miami uh, was purely superior and they overwhelmed them in basically every way possible. Uh, Jimmy Butler, was dominant. He did whatever he wanted to do. Tyler Harrow pitched in Duncan Robinson pitched in, you know, everybody basically just pitched in and did what they, you know, the Miami heat do. They, they beat you in waves. They beat you as a team. Uh, They play good team defense. They shoot the three. They are physical. They, you know, they scheme up. They scheme very well against uh good players and you know they just do their job. So that was all the things they did. And you know, that combined with Atlanta kind of just fighting through to get into the playoffs and you know fighting off injury and all that kind of stuff. They got a little bit of John they got you know they got John Collins and uh, Clint Capella both coming off of injuries and you know Trey Young as you said, he just he looked he looked regular. So because he, the, the heat threw bodies at them, they.
1: I will say, um, Capella and Collins were out. Yes, or Collins played, but he, you know, he was he kind of came back just for the playoffs. Who's to say he's actually healthy? But that doesn't change the results of the series in my mind. It was five, no matter how you sliced it. They've, the Hawks been disappointing all year. This is not. This just was not their year to be to be playing a, a locked in Heat team. It just wasn't it. This is over. But um, yeah, there are there another team that needs to make some decisions because I have a couple of players who are expensive and uh, they barely got in the playoffs. That's not a good sign. But, yeah. Um, anything else you want to add on that series? I don't have much to say about it. I do
0: not want to add anything else because
1: this series was pretty boring and yeah. <laughs> might have been the most boring series in the whole first round.
0: Yeah, the the Sixers and Raptors. Now, you know, my Sixers did what they needed to do. They got out of the first round. But there was a lot of hype going into this series. And a lot of people projected that Toronto could possibly win. I mean, for me, like, I, I, I felt comfortable in my prediction of the Sixers and Six, which it ultimately wound up being, which it should have been a sweep but the Sixers in every way are just a better team. I mean, they're not as deep, but what is depth when you have no top end talent? I mean, like, let's be real here. Pascal Siakam isn't, you know, he's not, he's on on his best day. You know, he's pushing top 25, but he's, you know, he's like, Scotty Barnes, one rookie of the year, shout out to him. But, and Fred VanVleet is good. Like, they have a lot of good players, but they right. don't have anyone that is great or exceptional. Mm-hmm. The last player who was great or exceptional on that roster was Kawhi Leonard, and he left. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, Joellen B getting hurt, that's very unfortunate. Uh, Doc. Right. Doc pisses me off a little bit, though, because I just felt like, again, I felt like that team lacks buy-in sometimes. I felt like the Sixers lack buy-in, and, like, the, those two games they lost, it just felt like they weren't locked in. And yeah. And it felt like they weren't trying to close. Like, it's hard to close, but you need to do more to close. An additional, you know, additional note, everything that I've ever said about Tobias Harris, I'm going to hold off on (laughs) because he actually, because I mean, I won't, I won't hold off on all of it. I still think that in, in the grand scheme of things, he, it would be in our best interest to trade him, but I do like what I'm seeing out of him. And at least on the defensive end, he's trying a lot harder to make up for what he's not doing offensively. And at this point, it's a sure thing that Tyrese Maxey is the third cog in the quote unquote big three. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, those, are, those are all my notes. Sorry.
1: I just want to quick, uh, we need to stop trying to give Philly a big three. They have a big two and then a couple of solid, like, solid players, a couple of good players, really good players, or I'll say they have a big two because Tyrese Maxey is not a star. I am sorry. He, he's been a star. He's looked like a star for like two months. Let's hold off on the big three. He's on his
0: way. He's on his way.
1: Yes, he very well is on his way, but his way can get derailed by him just playing regular as fuck again. I need to see it for a little longer before we start calling it a big three. I just hate the concept of big threes. I think they're stupid. Like, just get a team of good players. Get a couple guys who are really good, and everyone else be, be good. Don't play people who suck. <laughs> and then you'll win like it's really like you're playing dudes who are some shit you're, you're just more likely to lose simple as that you don't need three stars you just need to make sure you don't have scrubs scrubs on your court because it likes what's happening was happening now I was like I don't want to get into that whole that, that whole thing but like these teams that are star chasing i.e. Lakers are finding themselves in situations where they have three stars and a bunch of scrubs because they're paying too much money for their stars quote-unquote but yeah that's just my quick thing on the big three. I think big threes need to be dead, personally, but um, that's the series at hand. The Sixers are scaring me. I predicted Sixers in six, just like you, but I didn't expect them to go out 3-0 and then uh, not try for two games. And then, you know, if Embiid, if they close out the series, Embiid would not be hurt. That's just a simple fact of the matter. Or he's less, much less likely to have gotten, he would have gotten hurt in a game six. Let's put it that way. But, um, yeah, I just – I do like what I'm seeing from Tobias Harris. Tyrese Maxey looking looking good. James Harden needs to um, do more. They won the series as for, as expected, at least from us. Uh, Toronto, just interesting. I feel like they need to do – they can just sit there and develop internally. But it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason because um, Scotty Barnes is going to get better. But um, we've seen, like, you know, they do need some some help on the perimeter a little bit. Like, Van Vliet disappeared. Uh, Gary Trent, he did his way he could, but he got hurt, so I'll give him a pass there. But they do look like they need they need a, a guy on the perimeter who can, like, make shit happen. Dominic Mitchell? <laughs> but, um... <laughs> but we're... i uh, we move on to the the second round, then. We, we labored on this the East first round a little bit longer than we'd like to, but it's whatever.
0: Uh, well, I mean, let's get into it. Uh, the... I guess we can talk about Boston, Milwaukee. Okay. It is 1-1 going to Milwaukee. Uh, game one, Giannis gets a triple-double. The Celtics struggle offensively. Game two, the Celtics do a much better job. J- Jalen Brown goes shit in the first half, doesn't do as well in the second. But the Celtics still dominate because their defense played really well. Overall, despite not having Marcus Smart in Game Two, but um, overall, it's it's interesting. It's been a chess match between Ime Odoka and Mike Budenholzer. For me, real quick prediction: you're not gonna like this, uh, but God. I don't care. I've got Milwaukee in seven. I think that, and here's why: the Brooklyn Nets, when you break it down. Coaching-wise, Steve Nash is nowhere near the coach that Mike Bootholzer is. Let's let's just call it for what it is. That is true. Um, And, you know, for what it's worth, they did sweep the Brooklyn Nets, but they only did it by 18 points. And with that being said, the Brooklyn Nets schematically, like in terms of not just coaching, but player by player, the average player on the Milwaukee Bucks is far better than the average player on the Brooklyn Nets. Players like Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, hell, even Javon Carter, or
1: was on the Nets actually before yes.
0: for like Drogic, exactly. Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, Giannis, and it, it, it also the Bucks have something that the Nets don't. Something, and and what I mean by that is, like, the Nets, they didn't have anything that could overwhelm the Celtics, right? There was no matchup that the Celtics couldn't win against the Nets, where the the Bucs are bigger than the Celtics. So the Celtics have to, like, out, have to figure that out. They have to actually work that out despite not having Chris Middleton and they have three point shooters and they also have a drew holiday and they can also defend the Brooklyn Nets can't guard a park car. So for many reasons, basically they ultimately, you know, they, they swept the Brooklyn Nets, but it wasn't convincing enough. And they have to now deal with a team that is actually good. At everything. So, Mm -hmm. and also have a superstar named Giannis Antetokounmpo and a Chris Middleton who, even without Chris Middleton, they could beat the Celtics. And if they get Chris Middleton back, that could really be a problem. So, that's why I picked the Milwaukee Bucks in seven, but I do believe that it'll be very physical. Right.
1: Okay. I do respect it, but I'm going Boston in six. Like Homerism aside, yes, I am a Celtics fan. I do enjoy I do enjoy watching my Celtics. I would love to see them win. But nonetheless, I truly think Boston is going to win the series. And like you were saying, the Bucks are not the Nets. And while Kevin Durant, no one would have predicted him ever like looking like what he did, Giannis just won't look like that. Even if in the I event mean, the, the from the two games we've played we've seen be played, Giannis has not shot the ball well. the Celtics are in fact, he scored points, he hasn't shot the ball well. Percentages, like he's his field goal percentage is some shit right now. They have guarded him well in terms of like individual matchups. Al Horford is doing an outstanding job. But Giannis is not like he's if he's not scoring, he's just going to go harder and do everything else. Like he's still going to get rebounds. he's still going to get assists. He's he's still going to block shots, still gonna get steals, he's going to impact the game in a lot of ways, he's still getting all that attention in the paint and allowing allowing his uh, shooters to hit open shots. But um, this is a, a pretty closely matched series as well. Like the first game, the Bucks others were hitting their shots and winning. The second game, the Celtics, others were hitting their, well, everyone else was hitting shots the second game. But in um, that, really, so that led to two blowouts, but I just ultimately think without Chris Middleton, the Bucks are missing a playmaker. And as you saw in game two, the Celtics were able to figure things out with, you know, because obviously it's a Gian- Giannis centric team, like of course. But without, they're down one of their major playmakers. Chris Middleton's averaging five assists a game. Like forget the fact that he was like a 20 point per game score. He's averaging five assists a game as well. That's something that they're going to miss. And Drew Holiday, while he had a great game one, he had a bad game two. And that's just the Drew Holiday experience on offense from throughout his career. He just, he'll give you a good one and then give you a stinker. So with that, I just think it's going to awesome. ultimately going to come down to like keeping Giannis below sixty percent from the field, which I think Boston is capable of doing. Just they have the, the range of defenders to do so. The Marcus Smart injury hurts, but signs point to him probably coming back honestly. And Middleton, yeah, he's hurt and he might come back because like Robert Williams was supposed to miss the whole series of, or come back by like Game Six in Brooklyn, but he was back in like Game Three. So this just people come back in the playoffs; like they're not trying to sit out. Yeah, honestly, I just think Boston just has a – I just think there are, their are others who are just going to do a little better for a job because, like, yes, Pat Collinson's good, Grayson Allen's good, Javon Carter's good, but, like, their bench players that they're playing are small, and I think that's going to, that's going to uh, you know, show itself eventually. Like, yeah, you've seen Javon Carter guarding uh, Tatum quite a few times today in game two just because, like, that's, that's the rotation they had. And while he's a good defender, Tatum's 6'10". Like, he's just going to score over him. And yeah, I think Boston is overall has better shot makers, shot creators. Like even uh, like Grayson now will be doing his thing. But like you know, Pey- if Pey- Peyton Pritchard gonna have another game. He's hitting, like four from four from three in the one quarter. That's going to change things. It's very close. I really like. I wouldn't be surprised if you're right it's Bucks in Bucks and seven or Bucks and six for that matter. But I just think Boston's a better team right now, especially with no Middleton. They're just more whole at this point, and they have a a better range of defenders I think overall like Wesley Matthews is like he's kind of overrated on defense at this point Drew Holiday saw yes Giannis saw yes but like Grayson Allen is he can be attacked Brooke Lopez is not really mobile on the perimeter we can get him on the perimeter he's getting cooked and like you've seen today he's having foul trouble because they're getting him in actions he's not comfortable in Whereas the Celtics, every anyone on the roster, they're, they'll they'll stick you in the perimeter for a bit. Although <laughs> Al Horford definitely got mixed like shit game one by Giannis, well, but um, nonetheless, he's still doing a great job on him. And I just think that's going to be the key factor. Gian- Giannis is not like he's not scoring easily right now. He's getting his points, but he's doing it inefi- He's doing it inefficiently. He's taking 27 shots to get 27 points. And if you're going to beat the Bucks, that's how you do it. Yeah, the series is going to be tough. Two great defenses, two great offenses. And what do you think about Philly and Miami? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm saying Miami in six simply simply because Embiid is missing at least two games. I think well he missed game one. We don't know about game two, but he might miss game two. And I just think it's unfortunate because if he was healthy. I honestly would probably – I'd probably still say Miami in seven just because I think not have a deeper roster. Like, I'm sorry, y'all are out here playing um, DeAndre Jordan. Like, I feel like even if Embiid was healthy, DeAndre Jordan still might find his ass on the court because Doc Rivers just wants to play him. So I just think it's just a deeper roster in Miami. Uh, defense, they have a good – they match up pretty well just defensively. Uh, James Harden, unless he becomes, like – Let's see if he plays like Harden from last year, at least. doesn't have to be Houston Harden, but last year Harden, unless he does that, Miami's just going to overwhelm y'all just in, in terms of uh, just a stronger team in general. And like you said, that coaching matchup is not good. <laughs> I've seen a stat that said Doc Rivers played 32 lineups in game one, just scrambling for anything, bro. So, yeah, I think that's a big factor.
0: Yeah, it's just difficult for me. Um, I definitely picked I picked the six. I would have picked the Sixers in six, just off the strength of Embiid, because I feel like, bam, they did. In fact, no one, they wouldn't have had an answer for Joel Embiid whatsoever. And I think that our depth gets underappreciated, I guess, because while we don't have depth in terms of athleticism or defense we have depth in shooting like Neang can shoot Corkumiz can shoot Shake she- Milton can shoot Danny Green can shoot we have depth in shooting and i think our, de- our you know the different variations that uh that uh, Doc Rivers has been playing i think would have been enough to get by this Miami team because again this Miami team as great as they look at times, Stephen A. Smith said it best. They're good enough to go home in the first round, which they didn't, obviously. They skated by an Atlanta Hawks team that they were superior then, But they're also – like, they're good enough to win a championship, but they're also good enough to go home in the first round. Because offensively, they're so sporadic and inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And I think part of a part of that is because they – play so many different guys like Gabe Vincent. And it's kind of like you're paying, you're playing so many different players every night and so many different lineups and you're giving people so many different kinds of looks. And it's kind of like the risk versus reward of playing the way they play and having the style that they have also not having Lowry hurts them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm gonna say this. So originally I was going sixers and six. Then I was going heat and six when I didn't know if Joel was gonna come back. But now I'm going to I'm gonna stick with my guns here a little bit, and I'm gonna go with sixers and seven because Joel they're saying is coming back either game three or game four. Okay. I do believe that, and I also feel a little more confidently too. Especially watching the first game, I mean, I was I was thinking Sixers and seven when I heard that he could come back anyway. But now, like seeing the other night, the the only thing that really killed us was the fact that we could not make a three.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: it was, it, it kind of looked like Game Seven a couple years ago when Harden played the Warriors without Chris Paul. They could not make an open three point shot, and they had billions of them. Tobias Harris was doing whatever he wanted to do and he was playing physical on defense. Um James Harden, we get, we have James step step slow Harden and it, it it's unfortunate but uh cuz to be honest with you, if I'm being completely honest, if we had Houston Harden or yeah. hell, Brooklyn Harden, I think we could beat the 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 Heat without James, uh the uh, without Joel Embiid, in my personal opinion. But that's neither here nor there, but ultimately, I believe the Sixers can get to Philly one-one, can get out of Philly two-two, and I think Joel will get his footing by Game Six, and I think we can win. You know, in a worst-case scenario, the best two out of three in a in a you know in you know a stretch where it comes down to three games. So I think that we could beat the Heat in that situation. So. It's gotcha. my thought on that series.
1: We'll, we'll see how things go. Uh, for the sake of time, we'll see we'll save the the conversation about uh what the number one player in the world looks like for next next episode because it'll still be relevant.
0: Absolutely. Like,
1: and Giannis being in the next being in this round. Absolutely. But yeah, that's it for today's episode of Game Time. My name's Zach, hosted by John Mayer Wilson. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us on Instagram at Game Time underscore podcast, on Twitter at Game Time underscore ZNJ, on Facebook at Game Time with ZNJ. To step down further content, tweets, the Instagram posts, all that good stuff. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, anywhere you can find podcasts really We're there. Thanks for tuning in. Can't wait to talk more basketball on game time.